give an introduction to a message that uh, that we're going to maybe finish next week. For those of you that are just joining us, we've been in the book of Nehemiah for the past several weeks. From the beginning of the year, when we had our our week of prayer that was really a month of prayer, we had people filling out cards of, of different needs within their life. And, and as I was going through the cards and praying alongside of many of the people that were within this church praying for these needs, I began to feel gripped in my spirit as I had kind of outlined what I wanted to do this year. And I felt the Holy Spirit just saying, you know what, I need to interrupt you. That there were some deep needs and things taking place in lives individually and in families that needed to be addressed. And I felt directed to the book of Nehemiah where it talks about the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem as a type or a picture of what it is in rebuilding our own spiritual lives. And we've been in this now for several weeks and and I don't want to take a lot of time going over what we have studied already you can go to our website and all of those messages are on on there and you can go through them individually and take the time that you need but we're reaching now into nehemiah chapter six getting close to the place where he is finishing the project of the wall and and rebuilding that and i would like to take some time and 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 read chapter six and actually into the first three verses of chapter seven of nehemiah because I believe that this is a thought that fits together and gives us the bedrock for the next few moments that I want to just share with you an introduction. When the word came to Sanballat, and Sanballat, for those of you that have been along with us, you know that he and Tobiah are an enemy. When the word came to Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem the Arab, and the rest of the enemies that I had rebuilt the wall and not a gap was left in it, Though up to that time I had not set the doors in the gates, Sanballat and Gashem sent me this message. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. But they were scheming to harm me. So I sent messengers to them with this reply. I am carrying on a great project and cannot go down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? Four times they sent me this same message, and each time I gave them the same answer. Then the fifth time, Sanballat sent his aid to me with the same message, and in his hand was an unsealed letter in which was written, It is reported among the nations, and Geshem says it's true, that you and the Jews are plotting to revolt, and therefore you're building the wall. Moreover, According to these reports, you are about to become the king and have even appointed prophets to make this proclamation about you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah. Now this report will get back to the king. So come, let us confer together. I send him this reply. Nothing like what you are saying is happening. You're just making it up out of your head. They were all trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will get too weak for the work and it will not be completed. But I prayed, now strengthen my hands. One day I went to the house of Shemaiah, and believe me, there are a few names in this that as I struggle through them, just go along with it. Son of Deliah, son of him, who was shut up in his home. And he said, 
let us meet in the house of God inside the temple. And let us close the temple doors because men are coming to kill you by night. They are coming to kill you. But I said, should a man like me run away? Or should one like me go into the temple to save his life? I will not go. I realized that God had not sent him, but that he had prophesied against me because Tobiah and Sambalat had hired him. He had been hired to intimidate me so that I would commit a sin by doing this, and then they would give me a bad name to discredit me. Remember, Tobiah and Sambalat, oh my God, because of what they have done, Remember also the prophet, Nodiah, and the rest of the prophets who have been trying to intimidate me. Verse 15. So the wall was completed on the 25th day of Elul, in 52 days. When all our enemies heard about this and the surrounding nations were afraid and they lost their confidence because they realized this work had been done with the help of our God. Also in those days, the nobles of Judah were sending many letters to Tobiah, and replies from Tobiah kept coming to them. For many in Judah were under oath to him, since he was the son-in-law to him, son of Ara, son of Jehoanim, and married to the daughter of Meshulam, son of Baccarat. Moreover, they kept reporting to me his good deeds and telling him what I said. And Tobiah sent letters to intimidate me. Chapter 7. After the wall had been rebuilt... I had set the doors in place. The gatekeepers and the singers and the Levites were appointed. I put in charge of Jerusalem Hanani, along with Hananiah, the commander of the citadel, because he was a man of integrity and feared God more than most men do. I said to them, The gates of Jerusalem are not to be opened until the sun is hot. While the gatekeepers are still on duty, have them shut the doors and bar them. Also appoint the residents of Jerusalem as guards. Some at their posts and some near their houses. We recognize today, if we were to take this event and put this into a very modern type world, it would be like us fighting terrorism. Since September 11th in 2001, Americans have lived under the threat of terrorist attack. We have lived with a different guard up. We now go through different security phases. We go to the airports and know that we're going to have to take off our shoes and our belts and and walk through these machines. And we recognize now that when we go places, there's going to be extra security, all as a result of the things that took place. We, We look for packages that are out of place. We look for people that look suspicious. It's changed the way we even do life today, all because we live under this threat of terrorism because the enemy hides and uses surprise attacks to achieve its evil goals. And honestly, the threat of terrorism is not something new for Christians because Satan's been up to spiritual terrorism for years. It's the way he works. Ephesians 6.11 tells us to put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. He doesn't say you're going to evade all the schemes. He said you're going to have to face some of them, but I'm going to give you what you need within your life to withstand them. Now, honestly, we hope that when we came to Christ, He would say to us, I'm going to fight all your battles for me and your life's going to be a dream. Instead, He says, put on the armor because this is going to get messy. Understanding that, 
Is it any wonder why we find ourselves on emotional and spiritual roller coasters within our life? Why we find ourselves in places where one day we are in spiritual pinnacles and the next day because of the spiritual forces of evil that are against us drags us down into the depths of despair and hurt. The enemy has done everything because he's a deceiver and he's a tricker and he's a liar and he'll do everything he can to neutralize the victory of God within your life. But God says He will accomplish His purposes in us and through us as we resist the schemes of Satan. The message that I'm starting today and that I'm going to get through the introduction of in the next ten minutes is about finishing what you started. Finishing what we've started. I recognize in my own life that there have been a number of things that I have started with gusto. I have started with zeal. I became a member of a gym that I have not yet been to this year. But I signed up with zeal. Maybe there are others that are like me that have a list of things that you've started in your life. But as you begin to really take a look at it, you discover that there are a lot of potholes along the way that seem to have stopped you in different things. Somehow, some of our best laid plans, even as it relates to things spiritually, it seems that they have come to an end and are not picked back up again. And things perhaps that you started out to do with your family, and it started good and everything seemed to be going well, and then life seems to happen and starts drawing you away from all of the things that you started so well. I want you to know that you're not alone in that. In fact, the Bible talks about different places and different ones that started well, but things seem to get in the way. You can find an example of this in the life of John Mark. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Acts chapter 13. When you read about the first missionary journey of the Apostle Paul, you you learn a little bit about John Mark. In Acts 13, verses 4 and 5, it says the two of them, two of them being Paul and Barnabas, were sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, and they went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. And when they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the Word of God in the Jewish synagogues. And then there's this line, John was with them as a helper. John Mark was going with them to be an assistant, to, to, to learn what it means to be a missionary, to learn what it means to be a pastor. That's verse 4 and 5. Then we get to verse 13 of Acts 13. From Paphos, Paul and his companion sailed to Perga and Pamphylia, where John left them to return to Jerusalem. So we see that within the span of eight verses, life got tough enough in the ministry and as a missionary helper that John Mark said, enough of this, I'm going home. And we look at this and we're saying, how can this be? How can you quit, not finish what you're starting? And it even began to affect those that were around him because in Acts 15, in verses 36 through to 41, we begin to see a discussion that takes place around John Mark when he said, Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, Let's go back and visit all the believers in the towns we preached the word to and others. Let's go back and see what's happening in all the places we planted the seed of the gospel. And Barnabas wanted to take John Mark. And Paul said, I don't think it's wise to take him because he deserted us. Leaves what Paul was thinking. He deserted us. The moment things started to get tough, he quit being our helper and he left. And the Bible says that 
they had such a sharp disagreement. Now, I want you to understand that even strong, biblically solid people can disagree about things. And this was such a strong disagreement that this missionary team split up. And it was all over the fact that John Mark quit. Couldn't finish what he started. And it says that Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left and committed the believers to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Apparently, John Mark, who became one of the great pillars of life, found that when things got tough in life, it was easier to quit than to finish. And so for those of us that have a lot of great starts of things in our life, but we didn't finish, I just want you to know there's precedence of it in the Bible. But that doesn't mean that God's done with you. Many of us know the dissatisfaction of beginning a spiritual task with great enthusiasm and then not having the power to stay with it. And I want you to know that just because you have failed at one time in your life or you failed at this does not mean you're a failure. Some of you need to hear that today. Just because you may have started and failed in something, don't let the enemy tell you that you are a failure as a result of it because God's not done with you yet. Our God is a God of new chances and new beginnings and picking you up and brushing you off and speaking life into you and giving you courage and letting you start all over again. And when the enemy comes alongside of you and tells you that you failed, you let God down, you can't do it, that you're never going to amount to anything, some of you need to stand up and say, but I want you to know, my God is a God of new beginnings. And I will finish because of the strength of the Lord. So let me ask you some questions this morning. Are there areas in your life where you failed? For me, I have to say yes. Does that mean today that we're a failure? No. Let me ask you this. How about others? Perhaps others that have failed you. Are you holding their failures against them? Making them consider themselves failures in life because of your inability to move past it? And let them have a second chance? Or can we learn from John Mark... That as we will soon see, we know that God had some great things in store for him and that his failure in the missionary journey didn't, didn't mean he was a failure in life or ministry. In fact, as you get to 2 Timothy, we see that Paul's attitude has changed because he says in chapter 4, verse 11, only Luke is with me. And then, then he says this, get Mark. Get Mark and bring him with you. Because he's helpful to me in the ministry. I have to think, I wonder what that did for that young man. Who I'm certain as he looked at his life, could not get over the fact that there were failures to finish in his life. Next week we're going to dive into chapter 6 and begin to look at how the enemy seeks to bring failure to your life. That you're going to be able to overcome. But this morning, I know in just some of the conversations that I've had, even before church started today, that there are some people that are just dealing with issues in their life that seem to have just captured you. And you're having a hard time getting out of the capsule of feeling as if 
victory won't come or as if you're useless or if failure will forever mark your life in whatever event or whatever it was that you endeavored and you feel as if you're walking around and people look at you only in the idea of failure, failure. And I want you today to understand that our God looks at you and He sees redeemable, redeemable. Our God is the builder of people. He takes what you bring to Him and you lay it at His feet and He speaks life into the dead areas of your heart. And He comes against an enemy that whispers in your ear of your uselessness and He speaks to you the fact that not only are you useful, He's got a grand plan for you. And He can take you just as you are and just where you are and walk with you. So some of you today are facing trials persecutions. We know that the Scripture says in James chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of any kind. I don't understand this verse. I'll just tell you that. I know it's there. I know I've quoted it. I know I've used it. But I have to tell you, I, this is me, I have a hard time considering it pure joy. Maybe that's just me. Pure joy, he uses the term pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Some of you have to get over the fact that the testing of your faith has produced failure and moved to perseverance. I'm going to ask if our worship team would come. I think that there's some days that the Holy Spirit just wants to build you up. Just wants to take you at where you're at in life and say, just let me hug you. For those of you that are new here, we're huggers in our church. And if you're not a hugger, you'll get used to it. In fact, I think I've seen reports that say you live longer with seven good hugs a day. I think that there's an aspect of the Holy Spirit's presence that can come alongside of us and and, and just kind of embrace us in His arms and give us the sense that everything's going to be okay. Like Father that you run to when things are tough and just... He embraces you, and you know, there's a, there's a peace in Father's arms. And I think that today, God just wants to embrace you, regardless of what it may be in your life that seems to be that you've started well and not finished well. Like John Mark, he'll say, let me just pick you up. I, I know that there are times that the tests that you face are going to fail. But it doesn't mean you're a failure. It doesn't mean you're useless. It doesn't mean that I'm a God of one chance. You either pass or you fail. I'm with you or I'm against you. I take you or you fail, I leave you. That's not the nature of our God.